evening and welcome to uh, another wonderful episode. I think this is um, 30, 30, We're coming at you from uh, Straight Stuff Studios here, uh, here in the in the basement studio, which will soon be uh, soon be a, a bigger bigger venue. So that'll yeah. be exciting. Yeah, got a pretty good pretty good crowd here tonight. I'd love to have some more space. So it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be nice. Excellent. Well, hey, I won't, I won't keep it, keep it, uh, hold it up here anymore. But uh, this is uh, Mr. Rick Atwater, uh, same as every week. Uh, take it away, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Recovery Internet Radio and our show, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Um, and yeah, we are excited about our our new uh, studio, which we're thinking ETA is about uh, maybe three weeks, somewhere around there, so we can get a few more studio participants in there comfortably. We'll have a nice little wood-burning stove, and we'll be able to kick back. And Ooh, That'd be nice. Would that be nice? Not that it's cold down here, but, I mean, you know, just to look at the stove. It'll be homey. Homey's good. Um, homey for the homies. We like homey. Our uh, tag tonight is uh, Crackhead Pinball. Um, we thought that was an interesting title that might get some attention. People might go, hmm, wonder what that's all about. That's so. Best title to date. That's we yeah, love that's that. Pretty good. By the way, we've all, we've had uh, pretty close to twenty seven thousand listens since we started, and uh, we really appreciate our studio audience and also our listening audience out there. So thanks for joining us tonight. Is that uh, right? Twenty seven thousand. Yeah. Wow. Woo. Thank yeah. you. Thanks everybody out there. That would be a pretty good size crew, wouldn't it? That's, that's a so. good. That's a good number. Um, so thanks again for joining us tonight, where we are every Sunday night at eight o'clock. And thanks to our engineer, Chris A. Yes, sir. And to our guest, Caitlin. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Uh, a couple quick things. You can call into the show for questions or comments or opinions by calling. That is area code 323-792-2977. Same number mm-hmm. every week. Same number every week. Or a tweet. Tweet us at, at, at Rick Atwater. Yep. Um, if you use that Twitter thing that everybody's talking about and you can also you can tweet live yeah. to us so we can answer questions if you if you do tweet um and also please remember to check out recoveryinternetradio.com recoveryinternetradio.com we've got all our all our archive shows you can just go there and find a link to listen live if you're uh, if you're interested in listening to the show that's broadcast on Sundays yeah all sorts of good stuff yeah and check also we'd like to know where you're listening from so yeah. Uh, and I want to give one quick uh, quick hello and recognition to a friend of ours, Mr. Russ Mobley, who is uh, does a he's a speaker and he's an author and he's a musician and his company is Heartwalking Productions. And you can get to Mr. Mobley. Well, I hear I hear the crowd cheering. Oh, yeah, there was excitement uh, about that. You can go to Russ at heartwalkin.com that's walkin not walking heartwalkin.com or tweet at Russ Mobley or contact him at 815-529-3277 so um, I think we're going to get started what do you think? All right. ready to roll? roll up our sleeves and get at it so um, I got I got some I got some questions for Caitlin tonight and, and we we're going to talk about a couple of things, but um, a little bit 
of a different, I kind of wanted to start a little differently than I do sometimes and talk directly maybe first about the reco- the recovery thing. And, and, uh, and so I guess, well, why, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that need to re- recover by my estimation. Uh, what would you say if I were to ask you why you? Why me? Yeah, why you? How come how come you got touched or whatever whatever you call it? How come? You know, I don't really know exactly. I mean, I think that sometimes, you know, there's something greater than ourselves out there that just kind of picks picks us out of out of nowhere. I mean, for me, I think that I just kind of had some sort of, you know, intervention, divine intervention that just said, hey, you just need to get... We're looking you know, for you. Yeah, yeah, we're looking for you <laughs> kind of thing. And, you know, thank God I did. Yeah. And I think some people look at look at recovery like a curse, like it's something that they have to do. Right. Instead, you seem to look at it more like something that you've gotten chosen for. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a completely different thing, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, you know, for me, I feel like I do have a purpose in everything. I feel that I have a purpose to help other people, and especially, you know, kids, mm-hmm. teenagers, because growing up, I didn't, I mean, we had D.A.R.E., but that didn't really teach us anything. I mean, kids... What is stuff, D.A.R.E.? Uh, the, D.A.R.E., I don't know what it stands for. Just but, drug education stuff? Yeah, from the police officer, like officer. From oh, yeah, the, the D.A.R.E. officer, sure. Yeah. yeah. Dare to keep kids off drugs, right? Is that what it was? I don't know if it stands for something. Anybody know what dare? No. Okay. Yeah. Great program. Is it? Mm -hmm. Okay. But there's something that that you'd like to do something more. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then, so have you actually been doing some of that? Uh, sort of. I work as a mentor with Mm -hmm. kids, kind of like a big sister, Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of them have alcohol and drug abuse issues already, mental health issues, coping skill issues, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've heard that, you know, you kind of, in a recovery program, you kind of have to give back in almost in order to keep it. Right. Can you explain that a little bit, or what, what's that about? Well, for me, pretty much just sharing my experiences, things that I've gone through in my life, and, um, you know, like teaching what I was taught when I first came into the rooms, you mm-hmm. know, just, um, just helping people to learn from my experience and they don't have to do the same thing that I did necessarily, or just to help them look at it, you know, from a different point of view. Maybe. And does that help you? It does. I think so. Yeah? Yeah. How? How? <laughs> I'm not really sure, but I mean, I don't always get it right. You know, sometimes right. you know, I'm human, so sometimes I make mistakes, but for me, I think it just helps me to stay sober, mm-hmm. you know, for each day okay. that, that comes about. Right. Yeah. It's just part of what you do. Right. Okay. All right. So, yeah, because I kind of want to just talk to talk a little bit about that, because it's like, it's a different spin on a little bit on what I think some people think recovery is. So, right. you know, like you're talking about it like a gift rather than a curse. And, exactly. You know, it's not like a lifetime sentence of, oh, I can't drink. Exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I feel a lot better that I don't do drugs or alcohol anymore than I'm in recovery, whereas to before, 
I just, I always, it was pretty sad. I always had to ask people the next day, well, was I messed up that day? I don't remember this. Right. And uh, that, that's, after a while, I started to realize that wasn't very normal. <laughs> it doesn't sound normal. Um, I don't know. I mean, normal is relative, I guess. There's probably some people out there that would think it is. I don't know. Um, one of the questions that, that, that I came up with, it sounded kind of, maybe it sounded kind of dumb, but it's like, okay, so you're, you know, a, a young, reasonably intelligent young woman isn't, and you've, you've had your hard knocks and you don't do it anymore. Don't you think maybe that wouldn't some people think that it's just something that you just got over and it was just a phase and we're all done with that now. We can just kind of put it behind us and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, some people would think that. I've ran into people that don't understand why, you know, why I have to do a daily reprieve of going to meetings and working with other al- alcoholics and addicts. And for me, you know, I didn't get fully physically dependent on alcohol, but I did on the cocaine, on the crack and the powder cocaine. Um, I needed it. I needed to go, you know, out. I was kind of like a functioning crackhead, so to speak, kind of like the talk mm-hmm. about functioning alcoholics. I could still work, I could still go to sleep, I could still eat and everything, but, you know, in order to feel normal, I needed it. And, you know, to me, for me anyways, that wasn't normal. I mean, right. at the time it was, but today looking back at it... That's not a phase. No, that's not a phase. That's not something that you get over. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah, I, I mean, I think some people wonder that. Why, you know... Right, because there are people out there that can just walk away from it, but mm-hmm. I definitely was not one of those people. So let's um, let's talk about like where you came from a little bit. Um, like what's your what's your background? Uh, what's your what's your family life? What's the deal on that? Well, I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and at eight days I was adopted. I was brought from Louisiana out to Chicago, and then brought to my mom and dad in Woodstock. So you knew you you knew you were from Louisiana. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have to kids. I have to ask now. What's the proper pronunciation of that? Louisiana. Oh, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. That's where oh, that's where she was. <laughs> Louisiana. So you went, if you're from there. I if you're from there, you Louisiana. Okay. So anyway, so that's where so that's where you're from. That's where you're born, Baton Rouge. Yep. That's where I was born. Eight days, and you 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 were brought up here. Okay. I was brought up here. Um, I was adopted, and I always knew that I was. Um, my mom and dad never told, you know, myself. You know, they didn't wait till I was ten and say, "Hey, by the way, guess what? You're adopted." They just always called me their unexpected miracle because mm-hmm. my mom couldn't have kids, so mm-hmm. they decided to adopt, and I was adopted. And um, two years later, my birth mother found out she was pregnant with my brother and asked them if they would adopt a little boy she was going to have because she wanted um, us to grow up together. So we did. And uh, I had the greatest parents in the world, the most patient, kind, and loving parents. And um, and so you had a, it was your biological brother. Yep. They, so they adopted both of you then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we have the same uh, birth mother, different birth fathers. But mm-hmm. to me, there's, we're still, you know, we're still full-blooded and everything. Sure. And, um, you know, growing up, I, you know, we went to Disney World a million times a year. <laughs> Uh, you know, they gave us everything that they possibly could have. You know, I never saw anything like a lot of alcoholics and drug addicts. They grew up in, you know, um, violent situations or their parents used or drank. And my mom and dad really didn't. They're very normal, very social drinkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a history 
uh, on both their sides of alcoholism, but you know, I didn't really find out about that till way later, and nobody because it was nobody ever talked about it. Right. Know? What reason would there be to talk about it? I suppose until later when right. stuff about you came up. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is your uh, is your brother? Did your brother escape the addiction track, uh, or is not? Um, not really. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, he didn't go into drugs. He drank a little bit here and there, but, you know, he's in recovery, too, now, so that's good. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, and then, so you had a pretty normal growing up, no yep. no bumps and bruises. You you mentioned to me a while ago that you were a little bit of a hellion. I was. What, um, is, what is that? What is a hellion? I, and how do we spell that? Like onion? No. I think I, so. Yeah, I think I it's know. the same with an H and two L's. But anyway, yeah, so what, yeah, what, what my, did you do? Well, my first ever addiction was cutting. I'm okay. A self mutilator, mm-hmm. and I discovered that in sixth grade, and after that, I started having rages. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went to some different doctors, you know, to find out what was wrong with me, and I believed that I was an alcoholic and a drug addict before I ever picked up, you know, an al- alcohol or a drug, mm-hmm. and um, I would just lash out and just get violent rages, and they said I had ADD, but then. Years later, I was diagnosed bipolar when I was 19. Hmm. But, um, you know, other than that, I just, I put my mom and dad through a lot of pain, just like tearing up the house and everything else, and they just didn't understand what was wrong with me until years later. Say a little something about, so, say a little something about the cutting now from the perspective that you have now. So when you were, how old are you when you're in sixth grade, 11? 13. 13, okay. So you're 13. It was, it was a coping mechanism. It was... You know, my mom and dad got mad because I failed a test. All right, well, just, you know, just cut away. It it did for me what drugs and alcohol eventually did for me. It took away, you know, the feelings or it just it numbed the feelings, I guess you would say. It just, it made me feel better. It didn't actually hurt. It just, I can't really put it into words exactly, but it just made me feel like It gave you some, okay. some kind of relief yeah. in, a, in a way? Yeah, because I think a lot of people wouldn't understand how cutting yourself would not hurt and give relief. I mean, I think that that would be difficult for people to understand, yet there's a lot of, especially young females who cut. Not exclusively, because I know some some guys who did that too, but but I think mostly girls. Mostly girls. Yeah. 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 I think that's an interesting, you know, comparison you made to the, the... feeling that you get from that as opposed to like like you're saying it, it, it's uh, very relatable right yeah. Yeah. same kind of thing so okay <laughs> I think there's a yeah sure uh, did so, someone show you how to cut no I just went, I remember I was at school one day and I got in a fight with one of my friends I think it was and I had a pair of scissors we were doing some sort of project and I just that's, it was kind of like um the thought suddenly occurred to me, I wonder what would happen if I just cut myself. And then from there, it just kind of, you know, just evolved into a coping mechanism. Do you know other cutters? Um, now I do. Did they start the same sort of way, or do some girls teach other girls, etc.? Um, you know what? I'm not sure. That's a good question. I never really asked them that. You started a you started a recovery group for cutters, didn't you? Or you were involved yeah. in in a recovery group for cutters? Yep, yeah, a friend of mine and I did. We call it yeah. uh, it's called Self Mutilators Anonymous. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that would be, you know, for, for people out there who who have had that kind of a problem or know somebody that, that has that kind of a problem, you can always, you can get in touch with us at on the website and we can pass resources or information about that along to you because it's, I think it's a bigger problem than a lot of people know. It is. Yeah. And so you started, you started cutting and then you said you started having rages. Yep. We're, we're. Were the rages were were get, was was getting angry, having rages, associated with the cutting, in some way, or were those like separate things, or what? I think they were separate things. I'm not. I never really thought about that before. So I, I think it was just kind of. I don't know. I think well, you because know, I found out when I was 19 that I was born addicted to cocaine. So maybe something biologically in my brain mm-hmm. it was, but mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. Yeah. So rage is just means yelling and screaming and stomping around, slamming doors. Yeah, getting physical with my mom and dad mm-hmm. and my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so you not just a little rage. Right. Yeah, yes. like a like big rage. Like a blind rage. Like a blind rage. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so what So what? What happened? You're And you're not drinking yet. Not yet. Yeah, yeah. Some people would say that you were a person who I've heard the term self-medicate. Yes. And I, you know, it it's a slippery slope because it sounds a little like an excuse or right. something like that. I, it always drives me a little, you know, a little crazy to use the term. But right. it seems pretty legitimate. I self-medicate. Yeah. Yeah, self-medicate. Well, yeah. Like I take an aspirin when I have a headache. I self-medicate. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. You do. So, so, but my my so the, the issue. So, some people call it self medicate. Did that did that come up for you? Were people did people tell you that that's when you started drinking? That's what it was, or um, did you yeah. think that's what it was? I didn't realize it was probably until the first time I tried to get sober, which was two thousand three. Okay. I believe. Okay, yeah. and then that's when that kind of thought yeah, maybe. I- yeah, because I went to rehab in Milwaukee, and they talked about that. They, you know, looked at some of my history of my mental health issues and my, you know, biological history. Because I don't know a lot of my biological history. I only know yeah. little bits and pieces, you know. Yeah. And uh, they started talking about that. Okay. So when did you first start drinking then? So we've got, so we, the cutting starts, then the, the blind rage stuff starts. Where does the drinking and the other stuff start? I started drinking and smoking pot when I was 16. Okay. A friend of mine came over to my house, and she had a little bit of um, weed on her mm. and some Ritalin. And we thought it was a great idea to, you know, <laughs> smoke some pot and snort some Ritalin. That was a very interesting day. Um, <laughs> yeah, now like, most people don't snort the Ritalin. They take the Ritalin for their ADD like a pill, right? They put it in their exactly. mouth and they swallow it. Yeah. But you snorted it. Yeah. Was that your first experience with, with either of those? It was my first experience with pot, and then uh, the Ritalin I'd been put on in like the eighth grade for what they thought was ADD with me at the time. Turned out not to be. Yeah. What did the Ritalin do for you when they when they put it on put you on it? It made me feel like I drank thirty pots of coffee. Mm. Yeah, because that should have been a clue because it's supposed to. If you have ADD, it's supposed to work the other way, right? Exactly. Yeah. The, but people weren't. They didn't know that it was cranking you up. I don't think so. I don't think anyone noticed. <laughs> 30 pots of coffee yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> we 
Or they just thought I was just that hyper. They just thought you were a real active child. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're taking you're taking your own Ritalin, but you'd never you'd never crushed it up and snorted it before with except before with this. That. Yeah. So that was like your your first experience. Yeah. Did you say alcohol too, or? Um, not the same that day, but when I was sixteen, I can't remember the exact time, but it was when I was sixteen. Okay. Do you remember what you when you first started using? Do you remember what you thought about it? I remember that I thought alcohol was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> that it, um, I I think I had one of those fruity drinks, like one of those Mike's Hard or something, or you know, one of the. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know what I had, but it right. was one of the ones that didn't actually taste bad. Like everybody says, beer was the horrible, the worst thing they ever tried because right. it didn't acquire taste or whatever. But me, I was just kind of like, oh, cool. And just continued to drink and try to drink any time that I could. Right. I remember feeling um, prettier, smarter, more talented, more outgoing because mm. I was kind of a shy kid, very quiet. I didn't have a lot of friends. Mm. I had a lot of friends, but I just, I don't know, it was weird. I felt different all the time. Yeah. But when you drank, you didn't? No. I felt like I was on top of the world. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard that before. Like, um, like for you, uh, drinking was the solution, not the problem. Exactly. Yeah. 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 In fact, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. From people that I talk to in the very chair that you're sitting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. It's funny. I don't know. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. But it seems yeah. to come up a lot. Yeah, it doesn't it? It does. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. So did, when did you first start getting consequences? Um, uh, probably after high school. Um, I was supposed to go to school. I graduated in two thousand one, and I was supposed to go to school on the East Coast, but I took a year off, and everything, and. Oh, no, when I was 18, backtrack. My, okay. my my memory's a little foggy here and there, but I got pulled over because somebody called and said I had alcohol in my car. And so I was with a girlfriend of mine at the time, and um, she was 23, I was 18, and we got arrested for underage illegal transportation of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you did. She didn't because she was yeah, 23. I, she, I don't know what she got, but I did. I got in trouble. Yeah. I don't know if she ever got charged with that. Day. I can't remember. But I remember my mom and dad were extremely upset with me, and they took my car away for a while. Mm. And then I promptly manipulated them into giving it back to me somehow. Mm. And um, I remember going to jail, and the cops were they're they're okay. They're trying to trying to help me, but they're I don't know. It was weird, but um. I remember going to court and the judge gave me like 30 hours of home community service and said, don't do it again, apologize to your mom. And it was more of a slap on the wrist. Right. That was when you were 18. Yeah. Home community service. I had to do like clean housework, like clean around the house. <laughs> your, your own, your own yeah. house? Yeah. Wow. I don't think I did it though. I think I kind of talked my mom into <laughs> Saying okay, she did it. I, I don't know though. Do you? Uh, who were you hanging out with at the time? Had your friends stayed the same, or had they begun to change? You, you said you were hanging out with a 23-year-old, so. Um, it was all sorts of different people. Um, back in that time, there was a uh, the strip in Crystal Lake. Yeah. On uh, Route 14, so there's a lot of people that had nothing else to do, so they'd cruise the strip. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go to parties and everything. So it was a it was a different people all the time. 
some of the same people and some different people, some from high school, some from, you know, just on the Crystal Lake Strip, just, uh, you know, 20, 20-something-year-olds 20 just... Just hanging? Yeah, just hanging, nothing better to do. Was the, was, were those people different from the people you hung out with before? A little bit. In what way? Uh, well, some of them, they were older, so they could go and, you know, party and get alcohol whenever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my friends, they weren't into alcohol or drugs. I'd say I'd probably gravitated more to the people that wanted to get messed up all the time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hang together. Do you remember um, any, you know, looking back on it now, I mean, it's, it's different when you know when you look back, but looking back on it now, do you recognize any um, like what we might call like crazy thinking or like uh, things that you thought that yeah distortion would be a good word or oh yeah because my first serious relationship was when I was nineteen and the the guy I was dating was twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. And I met him at a gas station, and I knew that he did harder drugs, more than alcohol and pot. Yeah. And but I didn't I didn't think it was a big I or I didn't think it was a big deal at the time because I I don't know I guess I just kind of was like eh he'll be fine or I could save him. Mm. And I remember he mm. I'd had a pager at the time before cell phones were really popular, and I gave it to him to um to get a hold of him and then I found out he had sold it for a hit of crack. Hmm. So I got extremely I went into a rage hmm. at that day. That was pretty bad. And then um I got it back from the person he gave it to and uh that was when I first got into cocaine. Hmm. And um I thought to myself, well, if I and this is where the distorted thinking comes in is I thought, well, if I tell him I want to do a line, then he'll tell me not to do it. And then I can, you know, not do it, but I ended up doing it. And then I fell in love. <laughs> I see. Like, you would set it up so that he would rescue you. Right. To not do cocaine. Exactly. But you went, you did the cocaine anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so much for the rescue plan. Exactly. But you're right. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. Like, yeah. yeah. Was this a guy that had uh, schizophrenia? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, crazy is relative here. Like, th- when did you find out he was schizophrenic? I think I was dating him about six months or so, oh. and um, he had he thought that his stepdad was killing gangbangers oh. outside of his house, and I brought him to my dad's office to see what to, I didn't know what to do with him. I was I didn't know why he was saying that, and um, we had to call the ambulance on him, and then he went to the psych ward, and that's when I found out that he had schizophrenia. Like that was a hallucination. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At least. As far as we knew. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I mean, well, you know. Well, no, it ended up. Yeah. It ended up. Did his dad kill any gangbangers? I, I don't know. You it would know. be like a pile outside the front door. <laughs> yeah, it would be such a such a mess. You'd be able to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So that, but he got di- he got diagnosed. Had he had like hallucinatory stuff going on before when you were when you were dating him, or not that you knew of? Not that I knew of. I didn't okay. know anything about it until later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you continue to date him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a couple of mar- there's a couple of like you know red lights that go on exactly. in the whole thing. And by the way, um, you know the whole the reason we 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 picked the title that we did. You know why why I picked the title? Because of the insanity. Well, it was partly it was 
it was yeah the insanity, but it was like a lot of your, the lot you know when I I do you know we talked and right. about your story, and a lot of the uh, a lot of your incidences of use have to do with like relationships, yeah, getting into a relationship and then some craziness around the relationship and then boing and the thing that came to my head was like a pinball you know like a you were like a pinball yeah. that's so that's where it came from that makes a lot yeah. of sense you're crack, totally right crackhead pinball so. Yeah. Anyway, for those of for those of you out there who wonder about the title, that's where it came from. You know, thank you, Caitlin, for providing us with that framework. You know, but anyway, so I think what we'll do this might be a good time to like take take a little break here and uh, listen to some music for a few minutes, and then we'll come back and we'll kind of pick up where we left off and continue the story. Right. Is that okay? Sounds who, good. Okay. Sounds, what, what, sounds are we, what are we going to What are we going to hear? With Katy Perry. Okay. Tonight. What's yeah. the title? Which one? Which one was that? Which one am I playing? I forget. Uh, part of me. Part of me. That's right. Part of me. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see you back here in about three and a half minutes. Okay. Let her rip. All right.
Welcome back to Recovery Internet Radio. I hope you enjoyed the break. We're still here with Caitlin and Rick, having a great conversation. Um, some really interesting stuff so far. Uh, you know, I appreciate you sharing. That's no I, things that I didn't know very much about. So um, we'll get right back to it. I'd just like to take a quick moment to say a special thanks to one of our fantastic sponsors. Uh, we got Rose Painting and Drywall, decorating Chicagoland since 1969. Give Tom a call at area code 815-735-4654. Uh, he'll give you a quote. He'll take care of all your, your painting and your drywall, whatever you need. Just give him a call. He's a good guy. That's all I got. Back to the show here. Okay. And I've got one quick thing I want to say. Uh, I want to just uh, mention one of our favorite bands. Uh, that's Their name is Double Take. And you can go to... DoubleTakeChicago.com to see where they are playing. They're a great little party bar band, and they do a lot of special events, and they're they're a lot of fun, good to dance to. We yeah, the uh, upcoming date. They, you know they, what? They play a lot. So I I don't have a date. You'd have to go to the website and get one. You want to do that while we're while we're talking, and maybe we'll throw that in at the end. Yeah. What's their website? Is that DoubleTakeChicago.com? Yeah. Well, that's easy enough. I would think so. I think we can. Okay. All right. So let's let's um, pick up a little bit where we left off with Caitlin. And one of the questions that that came to my mind that that I wanted to ask you is like when? Well, when did you know you had a problem? I mean, we're talking about some other things that went on with the cutting and with the rages, and now some of the stuff that's starting to happen with the drugs and alcohol. You're in your Late teens, early twenties, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Did you know you had? A, did you have any idea that you had an addictions problem at that point, or not yet? Uh, well, yeah. When I was nineteen, I had to go to this doctor in Chicago who did a bunch of neurological testing on me. Mm-hmm. Um, she had diagnosed me with bipolar disorder. Had been able to tell by my brain chemistry. I don't know how, but mm-hmm. that I was born addicted to cocaine, which we never knew up until that time. Mm-hmm. And she wanted me to go to rehab then, mm-hmm. but that weekend, it was a memorial weekend, so it, uh, we went there for the intake, and the counselor at the time couldn't get a hold of our insurance because I was on my mom and dad's insurance. So instead, I went home because they didn't want to take the risk of having my mom and dad have to pay you know, more than what they might, ha- might have had right. to pay. Right. And um, so then we started to to kind of recognize it, but I don't think any of us really knew exactly how serious it was. Was this, was the doc going to have you go to rehab because you were born addicted to cocaine or because you were currently using stuff? You weren't, you weren't, were you currently using coke? Yes. Oh, and you had told her about that? Yep. Okay. I've been very honest with them about it, I believe, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but and the only consequences you had had at the time was that 30-day home community home, service, community, community yeah. service in the house. Sure, yeah. thirty days of chores. Thirty days of yeah. chores. Right. I was going to say home improvement, but <laughs> I wish I'd have, yeah, I wish I'd have had that. Wish I'd have known that judge when when you know you were a little younger. Yeah, you could have got a lot of hours out of that. Like, <laughs> But we might have got some stuff done around here. <laughs> anyway, so. All right, so you you were going to go to rehab, but it ended up you didn't. You ended up not going exactly. because of the money, going. mainly. 
Yeah, and the guy, the guy that I was dating, the schizophrenic at the time, you know, he was my first abuser as well. My first mental, emotional, physical, you know, experience I'd ever had with being abused. Okay. You know, myself. Yeah. And they, you know, I wanted to leave him, but I didn't want to leave him at that time. So I kind of hid out at home for that weekend. And then, of course, I was, you know, as soon as the week came, I, I don't think I, I was working part-time for a temp agency, but really... I don't know, just kind of trying to get that next drug, you know, and I right. the insanity of it, oh, but I love him, and he loves me, I can save him. Right. You know. Right. And so somehow or another, all of that overrode the treatment, yeah. going to treatment, yeah, and just, so it just never happened? It just never happened. Right. Did you end up breaking up with uh, with him? Uh, a year later, because um, then I, I believe it was the summer of 2002. 2002, I went to school on the East Coast in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then um, my mom and dad were, you know, psyched about it, like, okay, she's going to turn her life around, this mm-hmm. will be good for her, because I went to, this The school was made for kids like me, because in high school, I was a horrible student, and I had like a one-point-something GPA, you know, and uh, this, this college that I went to was made for kids like me to help us with our academics. Right. And that I probably somehow, I don't remember how, but somehow I got him to be able to move out there. So he lived out there with me for about a month, but the insanity returned. Yeah. His, yours? Both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I found the same people out there that I did out here. Just that year me. before you went out there, what was the name of the school you went to? Dean College. Dean College, yeah, you told me that. What That year before you went there, what... What was the, what was that year like? I mean, were you just using heavily and doing your thing? Yeah. 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 Okay. Did you have any notion that you were like? I mean, did you know you had an addictions problem at that point? You know, I thought it was just a phase. Yeah. For myself, I thought I'm 19. You right. Know, I'm just partying. Right. Yeah. Trying some trying some things out. Exactly. Uh-huh. Just experimenting. Uh-huh. You know, nothing bad. I mean, I experimented. I remember because I tried heroin briefly. I smoked it and snorted it. Mm-hmm. I thought it. I thought it was the stupidest drug in the world. I didn't like it because it made me itch, and that was kind of weird. To everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish. I wish there were more people that had that same reaction. Yeah, it'd be really, really pretty great. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. So, so you go to you go to uh, college. You're in college. You your boyfriend lasts about a month with you. Then he disappears, or what? Uh, then he well, he was living in my dorm room because I didn't have a roommate at that time, and they told me that he had to leave or mm-hmm. I would be kicked out of the school. So I sent to I got the money somehow, and um, I had to move back here. I think mm-hmm. his friend wired him money, and then he took the train back to Woodstock from Massachusetts mm-hmm. and uh, and then I broke up with him a couple of days later after he got home over the phone because I just, I just I knew it wasn't healthy I didn't want to be in an abusive relationship and I I knew I wasn't coming back I was determined to stay on the East Coast and never come back to McHenry County again yeah so how long did you stay I stayed there till about the middle of November 2004 so about two years okay and then what brought you back here um well I got myself kicked out and dropped out of Dean mm-hmm. uh, prior to that. Uh, 2003, I actually did go to rehab. It was an outpatient 
um, outpatient rehab. And I was was that in Massachusetts or back here? Back, well, back here, but in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. And uh, my mom had a crash pad, so I went to that, and uh, we mainly focused on my co- uh, my cocaine and crack addiction, and I thought that was the only problem I had, so I still smoked pot and drank on the weekends. Like, I'd drive from Milwaukee all the way out here to go to the bar, somehow managed to, you know, pass my drug test. I have no idea how that <laughs> happened. Um, it had to have been a power greater than me. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just then I went back to school, and then I got into another relationship. Mm-hmm. And I didn't use cocaine for a year because I was with that guy for a year, but he was he was just an, a, a mean guy, you know. <laughs> and um, nice, nice he was very controlling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mentally and emotionally abusive, and then I finally realized that I wanted to come home. Yeah, did you get it anywhere along the line? That, that I mean, were you like, had you gotten it yet that that the guys you were hooking up with that that was as probably in its own way as sick as the drugs you were taking? I mean, in not the, then. No. 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 I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't see it at all. Everybody yeah. told me, you know, but yeah. Yeah, you, you don't know what you're talking about. He's great. You don't know what happens behind closed doors. Like, right. he's the nicest guy in the world, even though he's sitting there telling me, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't talk to that person, I can't go here, I can't do anything without him. Yeah, and it was a, I don't know, there's a question in here somewhere that I that I wanted to ask you, which was, did you were you addicted to more than one thing? And I guess... I think so. I, I You know, I've always heard... Um, other adopted kids talk about feeling like they're abandoned and having abandonment issues, and right. I did. I, looking back at it, you know, doing stuff with my with uh, you know the program and stuff, like I realized that you know, I have a lot of abandonment issues. Even though I know my birth mother, you know, gave me up for good reasons, not because she, you know, she left me at a doorstep or anything. She wanted me to have a good life, but. You know, for some reason, other adopted kids will tell you, you know, they feel that way. So I say, say what, what, when you say abandonment issues, what, what, what is that? I mean, what does that mean? They feel like they weren't wanted, like nobody wants to keep them. Yeah. Um, they're not loved enough or uh, they're not good enough. And does that play into the relationship stuff that you got yourself into with these guys? I, I think so, because like this lady that was like my third grandma always told me that you would end up with somebody like your parents. And... None of the guys I dated were ever like my dad at all. Hmm. My dad's like, I would if I had to nominate my parents for sainthood, I totally would. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're just they're the greatest people on earth, and you know, and and that's the other thing. I never saw my mom and dad in an abusive relationship. They were always loving and kind to each other. I never saw them argue. You know, I never saw anything bad with them. So I don't know how the heck I ended up in these six twisted relationships. Somehow I just did. And you, and then you attribute that maybe in, at least in part to the the abandonment stuff that you. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe what's the what's the theme song there? Maybe you know a, a bad relationship is better than no relationship at all, or you know I don't know. I think so. I, yeah. I was afraid to be alone. Yeah. 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 And so. Yeah. And these are the guys that would have you, I guess. Yeah. Or or stay with you. Yeah, that's pretty sad to say, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah, in a way. Yeah, but it's like, you know, addiction is not a, you know, that's, I mean, I think that's, an, we're talking about an addiction. We're not talking about just a little relationship problem. Exactly. I so, think I was addicted to yeah. relationships. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. unhealthy ones. 
Yeah. Because I... Yeah. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. I had one healthy relationship, um, you know, before recently, and I was... When I first got sober in 2006, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the guy was a marine, did two tours in Iraq. You know, wanted to, t- you know, would pick me up from my house. We go, you know, get something to eat, go to a movie, and mm-hmm. then at five months, I thought, this isn't normal. What is this? I don't. I was afraid of it. I thought he should know if he loved me or not. And then, you know, some stuff was going on with, you know, a family member, and I was just, I just got freaked out and said, I gotta go. See you later. Because it was, it was. It you weren't accustomed to that, yeah. It was scary. What was what was scary? What would you say? He was wasn't scary? mean. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't use drugs. He yeah. drank socially. Yeah. He had his stuff together, and it was yeah. just kind of. I guess at that point in my life, I wasn't ready for any of that. Right. Yeah. What would you say? What What, what would you say were the like one or two biggest things that that were um that convinced you that you needed to be looking at recovery like in these later years um my car wreck hmm. uh december 24th of 2004 uh fellow that i dated previously and i got into a really bad car wreck and um you know he grabbed the wheel and we rolled a couple times we were both drunk we had a friend with us and um you know as there's a there's a really there's a it was a really hard time in my life. Um, mm. I tried to save him, mm. and uh, we got hit by another guy as I was trying to save him. The other guy was also intoxicated, and, you know, I'd never gone through anything like that. I wish I had anybody, you know, mm. because I was the drunk driver. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I was pulling him out, we get hit by another car, and he gets thrown under the car, and I get thrown 25 feet into a field dislocated my hip and um you know for I tried to kill myself that that year of um New Year's into 2005 Mm. and then I started to actually think maybe there's something wrong but I still you know as soon as I could you know because I had a brace for a while so as soon as I could go and do whatever I wanted to do again get out of the house I picked up that you know i picked up the alcohol and the drugs again and Mm -hmm. self-met that's when it really turned into self-medication i think what were you medicating uh smoking pot drinking Mm -hmm. uh i started doing crack again uh, Mm because like two months after that i got into another relationship which is not sane at all (laughs) um you know i dated this guy for a year and every time i would drink i would black out so then he found that the solution for that was to go and smoke crack and it would pull me out it would calm me down um you know it would it would take me out of that blackout and Mm -hmm. out of you know the because obviously you know i'd probably remember it and relive it in a blackout i don't remember it obviously but you know so he discovered that that's what helped me to not be you know suicidal and whatever else so the crack became the answer to the alcohol yeah or at least that's way it that's the way it appeared exactly yeah. the alcohol was reliable the the crack was it was like my medication i think right right yeah that's pretty that's pretty turned around that's yeah. pretty twisted isn't it when you think about it it is <laughs> when when you think the crack is the answer to your blackouts from alcohol yeah yeah how was that relationship 
I mean, it was he he was the one that was encouraging you to do the crack to yeah. to it, medicate you from the blackouts. Yeah, it was a using relationship. I yeah, mean, you were both you were both getting high pretty heavily. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I remember I finally had an awake had like an awakening because um, that year, the year before the one year anniversary of my crash, December twenty third, two thousand five, my best friend growing up died of a heroin overdose. Okay. And I had some survivor's guilt. I thought, why her? Why not me? Why did I live? Why did she die? And so that New Year's. I basically got alcohol poisoning and overdose on crack mm. you know, all on the same night and woke up the next day remembering where, you know, where the meetings were, where help was, you know, and yeah, I started going. Like I looked at it, this is not normal. What am I doing? Like I don't I don't wanna die. I don't wanna and did you go back to rehab, or did you go did you go into a recovery program at that point? I went into a recovery program. Okay. Did you start in in the Al-Anon side or the other side? The other side. Okay. All right. And so did you uh, did you stay clean then? I did for about a year and a half. Okay. So my sobriety date then was January first, two thousand six, mm-hmm. and then I want to say. Probably July, June or July of 2007, I started the Marijuana Maintenance Project. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, marijuana is not that bad. I can smoke that. Right. I'll be fine. And I did that for about a year and told people that I had, you know, more time than I did because mm-hmm. I didn't see it that way at the time. Right. You thought smoking pot was okay. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. okay. That yeah. was like the answer, again, with like something something else. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Kind of like Crack is the answer to blackouts, yeah. and yeah. Well, marijuana yeah. will fix the, you know. Yeah, marijuana will be fine. It's no big deal. Right. That's what I thought. Right. Yeah, there's kind of a theme here when yeah. you know the coke, the coke, you know, saying I'll do a line of coke, and then having your boyfriend, your your boyfriend stop you from doing the coke would make him a hero, and then but then you did the coke anyway, and then exactly. Yeah, the crack is the answer to the yeah. There's kind of a theme here. Yeah. So marijuana, so you're doing marijuana maintenance and. Yeah. So I started yeah. that again in 2007. Yeah. For about a year. Yeah. How did then, that feel when you were like you were t- you were telling people that you did? I mean, is it was that a little like? Well, the insanity of my disease convinced me that it was okay. Okay, so you were just like, eh, yeah, just whatever. Like, yeah, it's no big deal. I don't smoke it every day. I only do it this time and this time. So right. It's okay. It's fine. I'm good. So at the time, you weren't like struggling with that. You weren't like yeah. at somewhere like, okay. oh, yeah, you I know, get you. Sure. Feelings of guilt or anything. It was like, sure. It was okay. It was yeah. Like, Sure. Yeah. And then, so where did that take you? It took me to a fellow I met in the program. Yeah. And There's a, if we had a pinball noise on yeah. our on our, that'd be the next, that'd be the flipper. Would just go <laughs> ping, 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 at the time, he supposedly had nine months of recovery time, mm-hmm. and I believed that, and I told him, yeah, I still smoke pot, and he said, oh, well, okay, and I didn't think you were supposed to be doing that, but whatever, it's your program, I said, okay, and then uh, I was working at a restaurant, um, I was working ten, or like 12, 15, 14-hour shifts here and there, I was a server, and I was a manager, and that became my life, like, I... It was always at work, or I mm-hmm. was there hanging out because it's 24 hours, so mm-hmm. I'd be just there. And then um, I decided in April of 2008 that I needed to go to the psych ward. 
because I didn't want to use. <laughs> Even though I was already using, that was that was my. You that know, was your solution. Yeah, that was my. That was my yeah. great thinking. You were smoking pot, so you decided to go to the psych ward so so you wouldn't use so crack. I relapse on crack or alcohol. I yeah. got you. Okay. So I went there, and uh, while I was there, my boyfriend at the time came to me and said, "I have something to tell you." And I said, "Okay." And he said, "But I don't want to tell you here." And I said, "Dude." Um, this is probably the safest place to tell me this stuff, or whatever you have to tell me, because it's, it's the psych ward. Right. If I'm outside of the psych ward, I could probably, you know, kick right. your ass or something. <laughs> and he told me, he said, you know, I've been, I've been smoking crack this whole time. That's why I got kicked out of the recovery home by that, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, I said, oh, okay then. Mm. You know, and. Let's get married. No. 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 Hey now. What? No. Hey. What? No marriage. No marriage. Okay. No. <laughs> did you... So did you did you uh, break up with them or what? No, I stayed with them. Okay. I thought I could save them. Okay. That's the Alan part of me. That's the other side. Yeah. yeah that's okay. The other side. There's the other addiction. So I got out uh, at the beginning of May and I ended up uh, cheating on him with an ex-boyfriend that uh, smoked pot. I smoked pot with him, but for some reason, the thought occurred to me that if I told him that I relapsed on cocaine with this guy, that he would be okay with it. So it was the same insane thinking as when I first started. Mm-hmm. I just am looking real quickly here at a couple of questions we have from the studio audience. Um, uh, one of them is, are you in a relationship now? Um, no. Okay. We want to, okay. Yeah, and we've got about five minutes, so I'm, and I've got a couple more things I want to ask you. Um, and one of the questions is, I think is really, really good one here is, um, you mentioned you were born addicted. And I, and I remember thinking to myself that that would take some explaining. Do you think most addicts, this is the question from the studio audience, do you think most addicts are born addicted or born addicts? Or have the propensity to be addicts? I think so. Most of them. I think most of them are. I've yeah. seen I've seen both sides. I've seen people that are born with the genes, so to speak, mm-hmm. and people that just become addicted. That that would be worth a whole that would be worth a whole show right. to talk about that alone. Um, so I won't I won't go any further than that. Um, I guess um, one of the things I wanted to get in here before we get to the end is um, your mom always told you that you were on an unexpected miracle. You told me that and you mentioned that at the beginning of the show. Did you always remember that when you were doing what you were doing? No. Did you always, you for, had you forgotten about that? I forgot mom? about it till my crash when I was in the hospital. They, prior to my crash, they had gotten me a journal mm-hmm. uh, for Christmas that year and they brought some Christmas presents to me. And I opened it, and it said "unexpected miracle" on it, and um, mm-hmm. it was really painful for all of us, you know, because the doctors told them that I shouldn't have lived through all of that, and to help me find my purpose. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm a, I work with DUI offenders. Yeah, did you thank? Have you thanked your mom for for yeah. that? I I always I try I yeah. really try. Sometimes they might not get it, but you know I do the best that I can. They. They truly are just they're unexpected miracles too. You you went yeah. You went back to school then. I did. Yeah. Got your C A D C and that's yep. what you're doing. That's really a that's really a cool thing. Um 
maybe maybe there's a couple other things I'd like to slip in, but we're probably not going to have time. So I'll ask you this, and then we'll probably have to close. But what, what would you, what advice would you give to other young women who um, find themselves struggling with the kinds of things that you've struggled with—the relationships and the cutting and the booze and the drugs? What would you tell them? Oh, what thought- do you tell them? Because you probably see them. Well, I see them, and now actually I watch a lot of a lot of shows, and I got this the other day from watching a show because I, you know, because I've had my own stuff happen even in sobriety, and you know, you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, you know, like no matter how bad something seems today, you know, you're unfinished, you're a work in progress, mm. you know, like I posted this a couple of days ago about, um, you know, our to keep writing our book, our 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 life book. You know, like our book about ourselves and everything. And to just keep on writing your story, you know, in your daily living. And just keep on, you know, doing the best that you can because, you know, we're not promised tomorrow and everything. Mm. We all are unexpected miracles. Mm. You know, don't give up on yourself. Don't, you know, don't quit before the miracle happens. Don't give up on yourself. You know, reach out to other women, Mm -hmm. you know, because if I can get through this stuff, so can they. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of people didn't think I'd get to where I'm at today. I, I followed I followed your posts. I think we have a new title for the show. What's that? Unexpected Miracles. Unexpected Miracles. Yeah. 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 I wanted to work that one in there, but we, 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 we did one way or the other. Yeah. I want to thank you for uh, being our guest tonight. Um, good stuff. And I follow your Facebook posts pretty closely, even though I never say anything <laughs> on Facebook. I, I do read. Nice. Um, Thanks to our listeners and our studio audience for making us a successful underground sports source for the recovering community. You scared the dog. Um, And uh, we'll email our reminders out for next week's show. And as always, look at recovery from a wide and open perspective. Remember to check Recovery Internet Radio for all the arc. Our reminder list. Remember, too, that we want to hear from you so we know where our listeners are. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. Let me know. As always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together. We're good. You're good.